Hello and welcome. My name is Alonda Carter and I am the Recovering Hunbot and this is season one, episode 17 of Hey Hun, You Woke Up. This podcast is brought to you on 10 different platforms, including Spotify and also a video version is on YouTube. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Red. Red is one of my subscribers, and she's also a patron. And although Red was never part of a multi-level marketing company, she knows a lot of people who were, and she is just not, you know, someone who's down with that type of business structure. Red is also a small business owner, so join me and let's welcome Red. Before we get started, I do want to make sure that I give a shout out to my latest patron, Andrea Macari. Thank you so very much for supporting me. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And also during this, you know, crazy time in this world, I do want to give a shout out to another small business that my husband and I chose to support during this time because we will go to, well, we won't go to a restaurant. He will actually go and pick up the food. So this past week, it was Star Pizza. I've been going to Star Pizza forever, forever. And the one that I go to is the number one, which is on Norfolk, which is basically kind of in the Montrose area, but not like totally Montrose area. I don't know. You'd have to know the area that I'm talking about. And if you're not from Houston, it's not going to make any sense. So I'm not going to keep describing it. They also have another location, which is on Harvard, which is really off of Washington. So it's along the Washington corridor. And now they have a new one that's located out in Katy, Texas. And believe me, Katy is way too far for me to travel to, but I'm glad there's the opportunity for people way out in the suburbs to be able to enjoy some delicious star pizza. Now the pizza I like to get is a whole wheat crust and I do like the pepperoni and it's deep dish, Chicago style deep dish. And it's absolutely delicious. I highly recommend that. I've never had a bad pizza at Star. And like I said, I've been going there forever. Editing mode, Alonda here. And I did want to let you guys know that when we were recording this during the interview time, I guess, I mean, everybody and their mother and their dog and their next door neighbor, just literally everybody I think was on Zoom because it did kind of like we lost connection. So hopefully as I'm going through this editing process, I'll be able to smooth it out and make it seem like it's a seamless transition. But just in case there's any rough spots, I want you just to have the heads up that, yeah, recording this was um, challenging. So let's get to it. Hey, Red, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Now, I want the audience to kind of understand where you come from in terms of why you went down the, um, I guess, MLM critic path against MLMs, anti-MLM, that sort of thing. So give us your background on that. Sure. Um, so I will start out by saying I am quite anti-MLM. I am not anti-MLM-er um, because I have had many friends fall prey to MLMs over the years, um, unfortunately. And I have seen not great outcomes from it is probably the biggest reason why I'm anti-MLM. Um, yet never really seen any of my friends make any money. My friend Russ back in high school, I think made a few bucks working for Cutco. Um, but I think 
that was because like his parents bought his like display set or whatever. Um, so his family, I'm sure, did not make money overall. Um, so yeah, I just a little bit um, like we were saying earlier about um, where I come from. I actually was a vet tech and um, went into school for uh, was a nail tech actually for a while. I I used the term duo tech and um, realized that I wasn't really as big a fan of people as I was of pets. So um, while the, the nail business was a lucrative one, it wasn't one that I really wanted to stay in. And I kind of wanted a side gig of sorts or it's something um, that I could work from home. And I knew enough to like kind of want to stay away from MLMs, but I didn't really understand what was so bad about the MLM structure. And so being the nerd that I am, I kind of went on a research deep dive and tried to figure out if there was a way to make a non-sketchy MLM. And what I found was there, there isn't. Um, and I did end up as a result of that starting my own business, which is um, a, a small and somewhat struggling business um, in, in, the economy that we're in right now, but I'm not worse off than anybody else by any means. Um, definitely, I didn't go with the MLM structure, but I did find um, one way where it worked, and it was just all of the things that had to be in play for it to still be ethical were all of the things that paparazzi and LuLaRoe and everybody else wasn't doing. So it was like, it there isn't a way to do it ethically and preach financial freedom. There isn't a way to do it ethically and actually make money and work from home. Like there's not a way to do that. And there's not a way to do it with like six levels and stuff. The most that I could actually make it work and still be ethical was a total of two levels. And it was like, okay, if you recruit your friend and she's doing well in the business, you can get her up to your level, but it's not like, Oh, then I go up a level and the, you can't, it doesn't, it doesn't work as an ethical business model. Now explain to me what you mean by ethical business model, because, you know, I think I understand that, but I, I want everybody for us all to be on the same page. So what is your definition of this ethical business model? And then I'd like for you to segue into things that like companies such as like LuLaRoe and all these other MLMs were not doing that. You're like, well, if you're an ethical company, you'd be doing X, Y, and Z, but I don't see these companies doing these things. Right. Well, the biggest thing is, like I said, um, the whole preaching financial freedom and um, just sort of basically the most that I could find for a person to be making, assuming that my business grew to a multi, multi-million dollar business from this MLM structure, the most that a mom who is working from home could be making in a month was Mm, right around $112. Like, that's it. Like, that's the only way. And that at that point, she is pumping out product to between 30 and 50 of her friends. Okay? That's meeting with one person every day and making a sale every day. That's all she could make, or he. Um, so, to me, preaching to somebody, oh, you can work from home, and, like, you'll be bringing in a paycheck while your husband's at work bring in the same amount like that. No, that doesn't work. That, um, to me, an ethical business is where you have a set of expectations and your company at least attempts to meet those expectations. 
Like, can you give me an so, example of what those expectations would be that you would have and how they, the company would be meeting them? Gosh, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> I just, like, for instance, um, we were saying about my, my business is a subscription business. So if I were to set it up where, okay, um, this person signs up, you know, and I send boxes, I, there's, it would be unethical of me to say, oh, yeah, like, the more boxes that you make, like the more you're going to make per box. It's that, that doesn't work. Like that doesn't work in the MLM pyramid structure. Like there has to be a certain percentage of that, that is going to either the company or the way, way top, or that is missing all of these people because you couldn't be selling it at that price. If you're not getting, you know, like there's percentages, the math doesn't work, you know, it just doesn't add up. And to me, I think you need to be transparent about the actual cost of your product. Um, and that's not something that I, I don't think any Monet distributor knows how much Monet pays their manufacturers per bottle. And if you're not upfront with your, your workers, you know, your partners, as you like to call them, how can they make ethical decisions on their level. If, if an MLM or if it, say a Monet distributor, they don't know whether Monet paid three cents for this or $3 for this. So that's a very different percentage, whether it was three cents or $3 that Monet is making off of every thousand of those bottles. Well, you know, so, you bring up a good point too, because we don't know where these products are being made. We have no idea where they're getting them from. We just know that they had their label on it. Yes. Yes. And that is another thing that I feel like is an unethical business practice. And I do, you and I have talked about before that I do work with distributors in China. Um, absolutely. I do. And I know um, I've seen pictures of the insides of their factories. I know several of their employees names. I know if I can't get so-and-so on the phone, I can talk to so-and-so. And I know that everybody gets paid an amount that is a livable wage. And um, it's unfortunate that we live in an economy where I can't find a U.S. manufacturer that can make products for me at a price that I can sell and can still pay their workers a livable wage in the U.S. It, it sucks. <laughs> um, but I, I went through so much. Again, I'm, I'm a total nerd and I spent hours like researching, um, trying to make sure that I wasn't giving money to a sweatshop. And it's very easy to give money to a sweatshop um, if you're working with Chinese manufacturers. It's just, for instance, um, I did some custom charms um, that I just got this month. And I paid, after shipping, I think, 64 cents a charm for the chart. Now that's, you know, just one component. Um, and I had another um, distributor that I actually had briefly, you know, um, it had interaction when I was researching with, um, he emailed me and was like, Hey, if you're still looking for this size tag, I can now drop it from 29 cents to 22 cents that I can, can give it to you for. Um, because you know, you said no to the last offer or whatever. I'm going to come back with a counter. This is open. I guess he was going through his emails from six months ago or whatever, but, um, I was like, you, you don't have, your materials aren't 
the materials that I want and your facility isn't a facility that I want to be giving my money to. So I, I chose to, to spend a lot more, basically three times the price for these charms where somebody could turn around and use my design, make it for a third of the price and sell it on Amazon, you know? And that's, that's just a risk that you kind of have to make, but that's ethical business. That's the kind of thing that you do when you're in an ethical you know, I find all of this so fascinating because, you know, I'm very curious about where MLMs are having their products produced, you know, and because like I said, we don't know most of the time you, you can't find out because I've looked for things and, and maybe other people know other places to look and I just don't know. That's highly possible because I most certainly am not, you know, all knowing or anything far from it. But at the same time, it's not readily apparent and to me that's an enormous red flag when you just don't know because like what you mentioned it goes back to the whole idea of a sweatshop so it's like well okay so where is Shakeology being made where are these um, Amway products being made where are these Market America products being made and how are the people who are creating them being treated I would say probably nine times out of 10, we don't know, maybe even 10 out of 10. Again, I don't know with certitude or anything, but I do want to bring it back to a question that I do have for you because you said that when you did your math and because you're the nerd that you are, and I absolutely love and adore that it speaks to my heart. um, You figured that the most that that stay at home mom could make is like about $112 a month. Can you speak to us about how you came up with, that amount what was the math that you ran to figure that out oh gosh i i think i actually have my notebook somewhere where i figured out okay so basically what you're figuring out is what percentage of your product is going to be product costs shipping costs and then also like packaging costs and stuff like that right So in order to be able to make a profit and be able to share that profit with another person, (laughs) you have to be at a percentage where you're spending 50% or less on the actual product that you're turning around and selling. So um, for instance, uh, one girl that I work with does... um, crystal pyramids and spheres and stuff like that. When I do a bulk order from her, um, including shipping, I will get, um, I don't have an example right around, but I'll, I'll get like a, a crystal pyramid from her for a dollar 60. Um, and I know that I have to get at least $3 and 20 cents for that crystal pyramid for me to actually be making money. So any, you have to go above that percentage in order to have another person who gets a percentage, right? Um, because that's the base level, like, okay, I'm in the black, but it's like I made $0.01 this month, okay? Um, now, there, sometimes you can find different shipping costs, but when I did research, it was basically across the board any type of I'm going to say like dry goods. So, um, something that isn't, doesn't need any special packaging, but you know, um, it's going to be shelf stable, et cetera. 
packaging pretty much across the board, um, you're going to be spending 10 to 15% on packaging and shipping. Like there's no way around it. And you can put some of that back onto your customer, but again, that's who you're then giving that to. It, are you giving it to your customer? Are you giving it to your distributor? Um, you know, how are you going to go about? So in, for instance, if I were to do an MLM structure, I could save a little bit on the shipping by sending, okay, I can send eight boxes to Kaylee for $6, whereas it would cost me $2.80 to send each of those boxes out individually, right? So then I'm saving a little bit there and I can pass that on to Kaylee, right? Um, but anytime you get beyond that 50%, there's no money there, right? So it doesn't matter if it's $3 a kit or a $30 bottle of shampoo, when you tweak, like there's no work in the percentages. It's not necessarily dollar amounts as it is percentages. And so, yes, if you are getting your, but this was assuming that you can get your friends to purchase about a $30 purchase, one friend per day was where I got to that. I think it was $112 that I got to. Um, that is the most that you, that I, when I worked these percentages, if you are, like I said, that's assuming one sale per day at what I'm going to call a moderate amount. Um, and I don't hear anybody doing, oh, I sold five bottles of shampoo today and three bottles of, you know, I don't, I, I hear about sometimes them getting multiples in a day, but I feel like that's why they're posting about it is because like, that's an exciting thing that they got multiple sales in a day. I've never heard of somebody doing multiple sales back to back every day. And I just, that, that is one of those things that I like made an assumption when I was doing those numbers because I couldn't find percentages on how many sales per day an average MLM sales distributor does. But um, yeah, unless I'm wrong about that and like, let me know if I'm wrong about that and you know, I will be happy to rework the numbers, but I had never thought about that, about like the number of the number of sales. And I think a lot of it's because you're, you're taught that, well, you know, I'm not a salesperson either. I'm just sharing the things that I love. So, you know, you, you, even though you're selling and now it said internet unstable again, I hope I don't disappear. Um, even though you're sharing what you love, supposedly, the ability for someone to say yes to you is extremely low unless you have that influence. And I've talked about this multiple times, you know, and like I told you before I hit record, I'm getting ready to do a video on someone where I discovered um, he's a top level beach body robot who is also a Mormon. And it's like, oh, click, 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 click. You got some influence. You can accept no. You know, you, it's like it ties to so many different things. So you are absolutely right that typically someone's not sell, saying, you know, I sold a challenge pack today. I sold another one. You know, nobody yeah. talks in those terms. It's generally like, um, I'm just going to pick on unique. My little purple card, let me get coffee today. And basically, who gives a flying pig's butt? You know, nobody really cares that your purple card allows you to do that. My five got me dinner tonight with my hubby. Like, 
Yes. I, I would I kind of vibe, but I want to see that pose for somebody's like, my desk job got me. Like, <laughs> well, I, 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 I can make my full time job paid all my bills this month. You know, it's like, because it actually did, you know, <laughs> that's what you do when you're an adult, you pay your bills, you know, you, you work for a fair wage, whether you are a business owner or whether you work for someone else. I mean, you are doing your, there is an exchange and with MLM, the exchange is uneven because you're yes. putting in a ton of time, a ton of effort. And yes. what you get back in return, and if I had a penny, I would show a penny, but I don't know. I mean, you're getting less than what my little Hello Kitty is worth. And this is this was from a Happy Meal. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's yeah. the bottom line. But, you know, you don't think of it in those terms at all because it goes back again to the undue influence, the, you know, the psychology, the cultic tactics, all of these things, because you keep thinking like, well, you know what? Before you know it, I'm going to have a room full of these Hello Kitties. You know, it's like, like all of a sudden it's going to like mean something. And it really does. Right? You know? yeah, and that's what I was saying. It's back to um, like that livable wage and, and also those percentages. Now, that's one of the things that MLMs do save money on. They don't have to do any marketing. They don't pay for marketing. They get, you know, so for a typical business, you are going to want to spend like 20% on marketing, 25%. They say, I, I have a very slim margin, so I don't have 25% to spend on marketing, but yeah, it's like, okay, you take away that 25% and then, okay, that's 25, an extra 25% for me at the top. But if I'm passing that on to you, Again, like what's 25% of $30 that, oh gosh, I can't do math all of a sudden. Yeah, it's what, like what, like, six and a half dollars? Yeah, something like that. It's less than $10, okay? <laughs> and that's what you're passing on to your, to everyone in that downline. And that's what I'm saying is it's less than $10 for everyone, you know? And it's like, there can't be so many levels because they don't have that big a margin to work with. Okay. Like, I, I, I got to share this with you. Cause again, this is going to be coming out in a video and I'm not going to have the numbers right, but with Beachbody, you have what's called team cycle bonus. Okay. And the way that you earn team cycle bonus is okay. You, it's a bot by, by no, whatever, whatever it's called there. You have two legs. I forget what it's called exactly, but it, you have two legs. So if you have 200 points over here, 100 points over here, and you're an Emerald coach, that's the first level that you rank up to, you get $14. It goes up to $18 when you are um, a diamond coach. And I don't, I think that's where it stays. If I, if memory serves anyway, um, and you get like, every time you sell a challenge pack, you get three success club points. Okay. Are you following what this is here? So this person okay. who now I, you're saying that, are those equate to PV for uh, the volume? They are. Yeah. They're your volume. Yeah. That, okay. yes, they, they do count as well. No, 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 they're different. Wait, because like a challenge pack, like, okay, I'm just going to use Shakeology because that's what comes to my mind. Shakeology is 90 PV personal volume points. 
But if I, uh, if you buy Shakeology, I think it's only one success club point that you get. So there's different things. Okay. okay. It's different currency basically. It's, it, yeah. Of it, it, it's of, of course, it's just craziness. But anyway, so this person, I play a lot of Got it. <laughs> <laughs> this person basically posted you know, the all of these people with what what their points were, their success club points were, and it was anywhere above two hundred points, and his was over two thousand. And I figured out his, and I looked at it. I'm like, oh my god, this would mean that he would have had to have sold five hundred challenge packs in order to get that amount of points which would equate to over $18,000 from just the percentage of that he would earn, the 25%. But all these other people with all these other points, he's getting team cycle bonuses from all of the volume it's creating. So no wonder someone like that is like, rock on, this is fantastic. Of course, you got influence, you got a huge downline, you're sitting pretty, but the people way down there, they're not getting anything. <laughs> and you know, that's, that's the problem. That's really interesting, especially those numbers in particular, that it was, you said 14 to $17 for two legs. What were we saying? It has to be less than $10. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that's, that is really interesting. Yeah, that's a ridiculous amount of money. And to me, maybe there's another place where it can come out, but I cannot see any other place in the budget where that other percentage for the rest of your upline or everything would come out besides manufacturing, besides manufacturing. It, it's going to have to, because just because like, let's say for instance, you know, I have um, that, I don't know, I have 500 points. Like, you know, the person above me is getting like 500 points because I bought enough products where my, my point volume is 500 because that's what I personally bought. Okay that is going to translate into points for them, which will translate into, you know, those dollars from the team cycle bonus. So in order for all of those products that just talking to you, it's like, they've got to be crap. They've got to be crappier than what I even thought because they've got to consider like, you know, not everybody's going to be able to get the team cycle bonus because you're not. And those that who do get it, they've got to have enough of it so that it matters to them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it has to come out. I Let me know if anybody else says in the comments about a different place they could come out of because the only place where I can see it coming out of is manufacturing. And again, I feel like that comes back to ethical business practices. If you're purchasing something for a 5% of what you're turning around and telling people that it's worth, is it really worth, is the packaging and the marketing and everything else that goes along with it really like make it that much better? If you wrap up a turd in a really beautiful package, does that make it any better than a turd on the side of the road, you know? It, it absolutely doesn't. It doesn't. And, you know, the thing is, is that now that I'm talking to you about this, it's like, okay, that person that I'm going to be doing the video on, in essence, they become kind of like a spokesperson for the company. And they'll be the ones that will, like, be guests for to speak at um, like the national wake up call or to go onto for somebody's team to train people or maybe something has come out and they'll go and do a YouTube video or whatever. But basically they are doing, th they're doing activities where 
the company isn't having to really do much to promote some new program they've created or new product they've created because those top coaches are doing it and then they're getting their downline to turn around and do the same thing, which turns into doing what? Hey, hon. You know, it was like sending these janky ass messages. Yes. And that's, yes, that's part of it too, is I also see so many in particular MLM companies, but also other shady companies that like come up on Facebook ads and stuff like that, where they will promote their employees that are doing these great, ad, basically ad campaigns. Yeah. And they're like saying, Oh, like praise to Stephanie and her great ad campaign. But the reason why you're doing that is because she just saved you from having to pay X amount of dollars to do your own freaking ad campaign. She did it for free. Okay. <laughs> She's paying you to do it. About this. Okay. Uh, I think you're, you're probably familiar. You may have seen um, this past week, I was mob, mob attacked again for my, one of my Enagic videos. You know, these, I did not. Uh, oh, yeah. oh. These Canadian robots keep doing it over and over again. And now it's just comical. I'm just like, you know what? I will be the Trisha Paytas of the anti MLM world. Keep on hating on it, you know? Get that video down to 1% because you guys can do better than this because it, you, you, don't ha you haven't sent enough hate to me yet. I, I'm trying to get my head wrapped around like trying to want to be the Trisha Paytas of anything. Sorry. Um, I guess, yes, Trisha Paytas of anti-MLM, yeah, do it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, because she's problematic. I'm not, well, I mean, I'm problematic to them, but you know. MLM. Yeah, I'm problematic for them. So it's like, come on and hate on me. You know, bring on the hate. I don't care. It doesn't make me no never mind. You know? Oh, thank you for having such tough skin. Because oh. it's I, just comical because it, it to me it shows it shows your butt and and it shows the, the, the psychology that's that's working on people. You know, to me it just exposes that even more. So anyway, oh, yeah. now I had somewhere I was going with this train and then I forgot, but they, they came on and just started hating on it again. And now where the, what was I going to say? There was the, what were we talking about right before that? Good golly. I don't remember. And I was literally just thinking to myself earlier, I need to keep like a little notepad here where I can write down like one or two things, you know, words to remember to bring up later. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I had something I was going to say and now it just slipped out of my head. You know, that happens, but I'm sure it will come back because I know it has to do. Oh, I got it. Okay. Here it is. All right. All right. World is just going to have to forgive me for having brain farts. You know, I'm human. So anyway, I did notice because you know what? I just start plugging in keywords into um, YouTube to see what comes up associated with them. And all of a sudden I started seeing these other videos and what are they doing? Two-minute interview with Robot A and Robot B. Three-minute interview with Robot A and Robot B. And so I'm like, oh, all of you people who are doing these interviews with these guys, you're doing their marketing for them. They're not paying for any of that stuff. And you all love them and believe in them. And you think that people are going to think you're so important because these guys are successful that that's going to matter. All it does 
it's, it just, it lowers their costs on everything because they're, they are paying for Facebook ads and stuff and they're getting everybody else to pay for Facebook ads. It's like, all they're doing is marketing themselves off of your back and they don't see it. You know, I, of course, doing I, I yeah. say that again, all or what? All they're saving their own bottom line. <laughs> That's all they're doing. They're not so proud of you. <laughs> like, no. They don't care about they're you. Just funny. They don't care about you at all. What they do care about is that my videos keep popping up. They care about that. And I swear, Red, somewhere, I think they go through, they go through their training and they get to a particular module where they are instructed to go hate on my video. Cause this pops up like, you know, at a particular time, like every six weeks. And I'm like, that's interesting because, you know, I could totally see them doing that. That is something that JWs do. And oh, I wonder if it isn't like a, yeah. Well, so, one of them is a former Scientologist. Uh, I feel like the whole, like, Scientology is, was it L. Ron Hubbard? Like, yeah. he just, like, researched other cults and was like, <laughs> yeah, put them all together. Yeah, it, it is bizarre, you know, it's just, but just knowing that it's like, oh, okay, that's because I feel like they did some fair gaming on me, you know, because they came, they had that first video taken down and then now they're just like, which gave me time to just make more videos about them, you know, I mean, and research thing and just cover them up because obviously, you know, privacy claims, you know, you have to keep their privacy, even though they're public figures. I mean, you know, apparently they just can't handle the truth, you know. But you know, I'm like, yeah. you know, you're still so concerned about me. You are still this concerned about me. Four months later, you're concerned about me and my little tiny channel. They are. They are. It's, it's because it's, you know why though? You know why, Alanda? It's because they're about to wake up. Oh, Either they're about to or they, there, I feel like there is a moment with every MLMer, if they get to the point where they realize this doesn't work the way that they promised it to work, is they, well, first thing they do is they double down. Um, I, yeah. I know that from yeah. <laughs> just like um, growing up religious and like, um, I'm atheist now. I don't have anything against religious people, but for myself leaving religion, the first thing you do is double down. Uh-huh. And you're like, no. No, this is, this is all right. And that is when you go on a crusade and you start and, and, it, and it gets under your skin and it bothers you and you don't have a defense that you're happy with for it. And you have these things that you're taught to say, well, that's, that's the response to that. But you realize that that is hollow. And then I feel like that is like the moment in which either you wake up and get out or you wake up and you're okay with scamming people. Well, you know, I, and that's I think right, way, way at the top. That I'm thinking, up. I'm thinking really is the people that have been in their little cult. Cause I mean, I really do see them as cult leaders. I haven't really gone down that Avenue yet, but I mean, there's just so many markings of that, but I think it's probably those people in there that maybe somebody starts questioning something. And you don't want to question, you know, don't question. And and so when people start, you know, because maybe they saw my video or something 
and they're like now not so sure that's like making these guys at the top kind of like freak out that oh my god somebody has shown our butts in public and now people can go and see that our butts are hanging out in the wind if it was just a passing fancy of somebody being a keyboard warrior for a night it would have happened and then it would be gone but yeah. four months later means it got under someone's skin yeah yeah it's just it's just interesting you know now i want you also if you would be so inclined to share with um my audience our audience as you are part of my community and i am so glad that you are um because you told me the story about your your husband i believe that you said that his um father and father died or your father-in-law is that right do i have this right tell uh, that story because i find this really interesting yeah so last year um, my would-be father-in-law, um, my fiance's father, passed away, and um, he was Mormon, and as we've discussed, there's a lot of crossover between um, just culty type behavior, um, but I will, I will say for all of the, the Mormons, um, I, I don't know what to call them besides Mormons, I think we're not supposed to call them Mormons now, but like with all due respect, Mormons um, came and visited with us and were wonderful and brought food. And if anybody like even tried to convert me for a second, like the second that there was any pushback, they, they backed off. They were super respectful of it. Um, and, but there was this one woman who came and she actually, she was the husband or her husband, sorry, was the man who was appointed in the church to dress um, my would-be father-in-law at the funeral home and sorry and when he went to go dress my would-be father-in-law she took the car to come visit with us and the first thing that she did was she said oh here's these oils that are good for um, dealing with grief and stuff like that and myself having a little bit of background in a metaphysical I was pretty receptive to that. Um, I think that we would have invited her in whether we were receptive to that or not, just because it was polite of her to come over and visit with us. And then she sat down in the living room and proceeded to pitch her, her essential oil MLM pitch to my fiance and his mother, whose father and husband was at the funeral home being, being dressed for burial. Um, and I got up and I walked out of the room because I was just like, I can't, like, I can't deal with this. And I don't know how my mother-in-law sat there and did not lose her shit. I really know, it is dumbfounding because, you know, honestly, thinking back on my Hunbot days, because, I, okay, I never did anything like that. But, you know, I can remember having that feeling that no matter the social interaction or anything, you're there to help people and to serve them and yeah. to offer something because you really believe in your thing. Yes. And that's yeah. what, that's what I think she does. She believes in it so much. And she had no idea that she was like Absolutely. overstepping a boundary. Absolutely. She at no moment was intended to be unkind at all. Her, she fully believed that this would be something that would help my fiance and my mother-in-law 
and she wanted to, while her husband was off doing this other task, go and share it with us. And I will help and, you with this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I said, I'm not anti MLM or I'm not anti this woman. I, I understand why she did that. What I am upset with is the culture and the business practices that put her in that situation where she is knocking on the door of a grieving widow and pitching her essential oil MLM while her husband, while this widow's body is still being dressed at the funeral home. Absolutely. And you know, I am against the business structure people who join the Hunbots themselves, all of them, I don't care where they are within the structure. It's not them as individuals. It is what they've been taught to do by the overall company, the structure of it and how to pitch to people in literally, it doesn't matter the situation, you know, just find an angle that you can kind of like slide into and offer whatever it is that you have to offer to solve their quote-unquote problem it is still recording oh so i don't know what it cut off of all of that and what it didn't but it doesn't matter because i will cut out whatever you know today (laughs) today has been like the worst day of stuff from zoom cutting out and i'm just going to have to leave it to everybody and their dog and their aunt and their elephant everybody's on zoom you know yeah 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 and so people are just going to have to get over it if something's fuzzy and, you know, they can just go suck an egg if they don't like it. That's, that's, that's just how I feel about it. But, you know, I, I mean, yeah. I can full on get thinking like, oh, this will be, I, I understand that. And it's the MLMs and their structure. It's not the people involved in it at all that I, I have nothing against them as people. What they've been taught and what they've been taught to do, that's what I have a problem with are the people who've created these things and convinced them through their, you know, psychological manipulation that this is like the best thing since sliced bread and that this is a great opportunity and everybody should go off and do this. That is where the problem is. I cannot sit back and do hun shaming because that's what I call it and hun hunting where people are like going out and looking for these people and sending them nasty DMs or sending them nasty comments on, you know, their posts. Cause it's like, it's just like when people come to my channel and just like leave nasty stuff. And I see plenty of that. It's like, you know, I, I just move on, move on sis. So it's kind of the same sort of thing. I just, I just don't see, I see that as a bullying type behavior and toxic. And you know, why do you need to do that into the world? Because no one, no one on this planet is going to wake up if you just yell at them about their thing at all. That's where they double back down into it. Like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. That's, that, that's when you say, Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, you're lagging a little bit. Oh, it really is great. I'm talking to you. Having technology issues is not so fun, but again, people can go suck an egg if they don't understand, you know, that's just, Oh, it's so awesome that it's like, I, I'm going to sound old here, but, um, it is so awesome to be able to chat with you all the way in Houston and I'm up here outside St. Louis and like, we can, we can chat. Yes. There's a little bit of technology issues, but we're having basically a real time conversation here with pretty awesome. It's totally awesome. Like Like, she would have been like, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, um, I'm, fi- I'm finding it interesting right now in, in this world because who was it that said something to me? I, I did, um, I 
did an interview this week with someone who's looking to create a documentary and they were getting background information and they were talking about people being like more susceptible or, you know, more vulnerable right now. And I don't know if I would necessarily say that they are, there's, they're more vulnerable right now. I would say there is more people probably at a vulnerable stage, but I would blame it on the MLMs thinking like, oh, we're in a pandemic. Now you can really go out there and get people to join it. Because I don't think, you know, as a Hunbot yourself, you're going to think of like, I can take advantage of this situation. I always bring it back to the business of the business coming up with ways to go after something. And, you know, a lot of people are out of work, but a lot of those jobs will come back. Some of them probably won't. And yes, we've got a lot of people at home, but I'm also kind of hoping that, you know what, these people don't have the money to join your thing. So pitching to them, maybe, you know, this is not a good idea because they're not going to join. I mean, I would agree to some extent. I do feel like a lot of people got that, that stimulus check or are getting that stimulus check. and they do want to invest it because they know that they don't have any income until businesses open back up. Personally, I'm in Missouri. So that was yesterday, but, um, but yeah, I think that people are, you know, trying to look at their future and say, okay, well, I'm going to invest this. But, and, and when you have, what is it? That it's a thousand dollars. You have a thousand dollars to invest. You know, a lot of these MLMs on the surface look like, oh, well, that's where I, what is it, $9.75 to sign up? Well, I've got $1,000, but it's $4.75 to sign up. And then I've got a little bit extra for the, you know, bonus items that I want to add to my kit. I, I feel like there are more people who are in a vulnerable state right now. Not necessarily that like any one person is more vulnerable right now, but there are more people who are in a state of being vulnerable, if that makes sense. No, no, that does, because I think that's try- what I was trying to get to, that there's more of them at it, but you're ne- there's never, to me, there's not like degrees of vulnerability, like if you are, I don't know, if if you just lost your job, you're more vulnerable now than someone who just lost their husband. You know, it's like, I, I see that all equal. It's just a vulnerable spot. There are the numbers of the people who are dealing with uncertainty. And definitely there's more people who are dealing with uncertainty right now than there ever has been. Yeah. But I also am yeah. hoping that, you know, some of them maybe have heard um, the message of those of us who, criticize multi-level marketing and are like, yeah, maybe that's not such a good idea. Or hopefully maybe some of them actually do do their research, unlike me, um, you know, and don't just jump at it. But then again, looking back on what I did, I just kind of jumped in because I believed in the person. So I guess some of it goes back to who are they following? Who's talking about it? And do they trust and believe that person? Did they just come into their bubble or have they known this person a long time? Had they been in another MLM and then they failed at it. So now they're like, yeah, okay, I'll pass. I mean, I think there's a lot of different variables that can be at work, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I think also there are people, because I've heard of people join it. They fail at one MLM and they join another. And I, I think that there is sort of this 
I'm going to use a friend from my past as an example. We'll call him David. He was in um, some vitamin thing when we were in college. I don't remember what it was, but he was like trying to get me to take my vitamins every day and sell vitamins all the time. And um, he was a silly, goofy, 19-year-old crazy guy, right? And I can see... Yes, he lost money at that. He was, I, I feel bad because he was not in a situation where he had money to lose, but he did lose money at that um, and got out, luckily. But I can see where he would now, if he was out of a job, say, well, I'm, I'm a much more responsible person than I was back then. And, you know, it, maybe it works if you work it. And, you know, maybe if I wasn't going out and drinking every weekend and I actually, you know, made up business cards and, you know, tried to be professional about it, that this will be different. And not realizing that the reason why it didn't work wasn't him to begin right. with. Is the structure. And, that, and that's the thing, you know. That whole thing of how it goes back on blaming yourself, that you're the reason that that is, I think the thing that just, it just grinds my gears more than anything. And what I find really kind of comical, sickly comical about this is that a lot of times in these things, they talk about you feeling like you're less than, you know, and like, but if you do X, Y, and Z, and all of a sudden you got all this confidence and everything, and you're doing great, but then if you fail at it, well, you just need to have a better mindset. You just need to work harder at it. You just, you know, you really need to keep going. You need to do more. You need to do more. You need to do more. And it's like, it doesn't matter how much you do. And can we talk about like how unhealthy that is for people's mental health? Because I have to say, I have a good friend. I'm not going to use her name. She recently, um, did an MLM. I'm not even going to mention the MLM. Um, and she kind of started to figure out that it wasn't worth what she wasn't able to put the amount of time into it for it to be profitable for her. She, she woke up, right. And she felt like, well, I'm a failure. I couldn't get a big enough thing. I couldn't. And this poor woman already is on meds for depression basically had had her depression and a little bit of an anxiety issue also she wasn't on meds for that um but she had that under control and then she went through all of this and everybody telling her you didn't work hard enough you did and she like fell back into this like really terrible depression and she's you know a single mom trying to take care of her kids and like one kid but anyway but it's like when you feel like a pos it is hard enough to get yourself up out of bed and get dressed and fed every day. And then to have another person on top of it that you were responsible for and just to be told, Oh, you're, you're just not worth it. You're, you were a terrible person. You suck at it. And that's why you failed. That does not make it any better. That only makes it worse. It uh, 10,000%. And one of the things that I'm going to say that also makes it worse because this is not, verbally the message of you're not enough or you're not doing enough but I will say this okay for instance in Beachbody it goes back to those stinking success club points there will be um okay like once you're an emerald coach there will be these groups where like push to diamond and then it'll be like you know pushing to be an elite coach or like all these different things 
So if you're not in that thing, you want to be in that thing. So now you feel excluded and you feel like you're not doing enough, even though you're working your butt off and you're just, and you're, and you're not getting into the in group, so to speak. You're not part of, you're not being accepted. You, it goes all into that and it really does a number because I most certainly started questioning myself on and I'm going, I've done a lot of things. Why can't I do this? Why is this not working? When I'm doing everything I've told, I've accomplished all these other things in my life, but this is not working. Why is that? And obviously I finally did wake up, but it takes a lot. And I think there's a lot of people, that's why they'll go from one MLM to another MLM. They believe so much and you know, oh, well, it didn't work here, but I can apply all those skills in this new one and it will be different. Yes. Yeah. I can see David doing that. Yeah. That having that mindset of, yeah, yeah. And it's just, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> oh. hamster, hamster wheel, the MLM hamster wheel, you know? Yeah. And I wonder if that isn't, I was kind of thinking this while you were saying, I wonder if that isn't part of the reason why they have like six, seven, eight, nine tiers and this leg and that leg and all of that is so that it isn't like you always feel like there is something that you're trying to achieve that next goal. You know, I do, I do think that's part of it. I really do. I think that goes back to um, like the psychology of persuasion and, and, and all of those things. I do think because as human beings, we're social creatures. We want to be accepted. We want to be part of a group and, you know, Okay, think about this. Okay, I'm just going off on a weird tangent because I know there's a lot of people that like in high school, we're not part of the popular crowd, right? But you get in an MLM, now you have a community and you feel like you're part of something. And now you see other people rising here. Well, you want to be part of that too. But then when you don't get there, it kind of takes you back to that time of where you were not accepted when you were in high school. Does that, is that making sense? I don't know if I'm saying it well or right, but I just see that whole acceptance thing as being part of it. The desire yes, to be accepted. I see that very much for my, my friend David when, when we were in school. That, that's not his real name, but I'm going to keep calling him David. Uh, but yeah, he, he was the, the weird kid in high school. And yeah, I can see how it would keep bringing, because I was also the weird kid in high school. Um, and I just not, didn't really ever like find a click. And I just like, was okay with having small groups after a while, but, um, but he, I'm very introverted and he's very extroverted. So I can see where that still having that feeling of like, I don't fit in and where's my, what's my tribe, you know, and, yeah. and then being, being the outcast of the tribe is knowing what your tribe is and you're the outcast of it. I feel like is oftentimes far worse than like not knowing where your tribe is. Yeah. Something else I've thought about, and I think I have spoken about this on my channel. I don't know if I have or haven't, but I'll say it now because, you know, I've been raped. I was um, also abused as a child. I, you know, I, my stepfather was horrifically cruel. And, you know, when you go through that cycle of abuse like that, it's the same thing with MLM. There's a cycle of abuse that you go through in MLM. And I think if you and a lot of women on this planet have been raped or have been sexually assaulted in some ways. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's high. And I kind of feel like that if you've been kind of like through that assaulted in one way, you're kind of like open to being assaulted in another way. 
kind of like mm. if you've been through like, cause see, I went through all this abuse as a kid. MLM is abusive. Being abused, that's the norm. I understand that. I know what that is. And then you go into I, something that you step into that's abusing you. And it's like, okay, well, you, this, th- this is just how life is. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, I, think me, this is, me, I haven't dug into this a lot, but it's something I've been thinking about that I think there's a connection of, of being abused and going into something else that is abusing you of being able to want that acceptance and also that willingness to stay in because you're wanting to be loved and accepted. I, I, first of all, I want to say that I commend you for being able to talk publicly about that. And I'm so sorry that you went through that. Um, but also I want to commend you for being able to like put it in, in that type of thought process because I had never thought about that, but I, you do see that cycle of abuse. Somebody who's abused as a child will have a higher chance of getting into an abusive relationship as an adult. Um, and yeah, I, I can understand how that would be when, when home is abuse, where, how do you run home? Yeah. And then all these women looking for acceptance who've been abused, of course, they're going to, oh, this thing is going to accept me. And this has community. Meanwhile, they're just going from the frying pan to the fire and not realizing it sort of a thing. I mean, again, it's like, I haven't flushed this all out and these are just random thoughts that I have, but I wanted to bring it up to you and see like, what do you think? And like, it's thinking about, cause you know, a lot of people who have been in MLMs and see if, had you seen anything like that? I have to say that I'm very lucky and that um, I live in a pretty like white bread middle class um, area where they're, one of the important things about it is that people don't typically talk about abuse when things like that happen. So I don't know necessarily that, um, I do know my one friend who I, I spoke about recently that was launched even deeper into depression. Um, she does have a history of abuse and I can see that coming up multiple times in her life. And this kind of, to me, I'm like, is, is that another time? Um, I don't necessarily know for some of my other friends that I don't want, want to speculate. I just think it's something that it it puts you in a a more vulnerable state almost like it's like it opens up another door to being vulnerable. Yeah. Because like I was saying about my friend, she's a very, very intelligent woman. And, um, she has an abusive relationship in my back. Mm-hmm. You are in all your glory. <laughs> and it looks like we're still recording. So yes, yes we are. We didn't lose the recording. Good. Good deal. Yeah, I can. I, yeah, that's to me that is like, it's like putting a, like a pain on my soul to like think about how, yeah, that would be just almost entrapping to, to people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, these thoughts yeah. just come to me as I keep on peeling that onion and it's like, huh, is there a connection here? Is there a connect, you know, just, and I think there's so many different connections. That's the thing is that there's not one path. It's multi-pronged. I mean, it's, 
It's so I wonder how much of I wonder how much of it really high up executives are aware of because yeah, they don't spend money on marketing, but they do spend money on marketing and research. You know, they do. Well, and I, I don't, wonder, I don't know if you saw my video on the Sheffield group and the Sheffield group, which Beachbody is one of their clients. The Sheffield group teaches you how to create your own MLM. I have not. Yeah. I wish I had found, I was like doing all of it. Actually that is, I found Monica's videos when I was first researching, is there an ethical way to, to create an MLM? And that is how I found you. So I, I wish that this video had been up um, when I was doing that research. I would, I would hear, um, I'll have to go back and look at it. And it's a uh, number 22. It's like, it's like one of my very early ones. So um, yeah, okay. but yeah, it's like literally it's, there's the, the dark school of arts of how to create multi-level marketing. They have um, a conference and everything, and there's a module that you can purchase of like basically how to bring leaders into your MLM who can recruit basically I, that to me, that translates like go find someone who's unhappy in their MLM that's built a team and just bring them over. Cause that way you'll br build your brand quickly. Okay. Yes. I've heard about this. Yes. And it, there's like bells ringing from when I did early on research. Like I said, I think it was before I had found your channel, but yeah, yeah, it, there, there's an art to it. They absolutely, they, what's, what's the highest demographic that they're going to get. And not only like what's that demographic, because we all know what that demographic is. It's single moms. It's well, women my age, whether they're moms or not. Um, and whether they're single or not too, but like also individual, like specific things about it. Like for instance, single moms have a higher percentage um, for some MLMs and not for us, you know, it's like, I know that they do that research because you hear about some of it, but I wonder how far in depth it goes. I you have know? a feeling it goes pretty And if deep. they have, Oh, you just froze again. I, it has okay. to go deep. I, I, I would think, cause I, I, I think the DSA, they do their research and I'm sure they sell, you know, like share that with all of their members, with their conference and everything. The Sheffield group, because there's also lawyers on their payroll, of course. Um, I can't remember his name. I think it was Babber or something. Anyway. I'm just wondering a question on their questionnaire for their control group. Oh, I'm, you know? I'm sure there, I'm sure there is. And if it is like, what, how in depth is that question? Is it just like a check yes or no? Or is it, you know, like, I wonder how in depth that, that they go for that research. Well, you know, I can't remember like when I joined Beachbody, all the different things I had to check. Cause you know, you fill out, you know, your information, your name, your address, you know, they have your birthday, they, you know, they, they have stuff on you. So I'm sure all of that's used, you know, in terms of gathering data. And if um, they don't collect it that way, especially think about like the high ranking coaches because you know I had a one-on-one -on -one with my high-ranking coach and I'm sure there are some out there because they will have you fill out forms too they're collecting data and I bet you that they shared that data with you know corporate I don't have any facts on that you know no receipts but I'm just putting you know one on one and one together I'm just like it, it would make sense to me if they did that and you froze again on me 
Okay, well, let's go back because there's some other things that I want to ask you about, but um, we're, I think we're going to run out of time here. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and ha have you just kind of wrap this up and we'll like wrap up this part and then I'm going to talk to you for just a few minutes afterwards. But I just want to say thank you so much for your time and sharing, you know, what you know and the people that you've known and like research you've done and how you were able to kind of like avoid getting involved in an MLM because I don't think most people are not like you and they'll start crunching the numbers. So I'm so glad that there was someone who did. Um, okay, there you are. So I think you said just go ahead and like wrap things up, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate all of the work that, that you have done um, for all of your videos. I I need to go back and watch that, that one for sure. And I'm sure I'll be ending up making a playlist of them. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great to chat with you about it. And yeah, I feel like it is very much psychological tactics. That is what brings people to MLMs on the retail side of it. And like we were saying about this, you know, the conference where they teach people how to make an MLM, it's, it's money grabbing. You have to be money grubbing to be on the, on the other end of it. Um, especially, especially any MLM company that is preaching financial freedom that you are going to make as much sitting at home working for their MLM business as you would at your nine to five job is lying. But it's not going to happen unless you already have a following where you can be selling thousands of dollars a day. It is not going to make you the amount of money that you can make at a minimum wage nine to five job. And that's basically what the numbers come down to. Um, I'm not anti MLMer, but I'm very much anti MLM. And unfortunately I have yet to find a company that is an ethical MLM structure, but that's to me the number one thing that I can point to for every MLM that I have seen that I know off the bat that they are lying to you. And that is that they're preaching. You can go from having a nine to five job to working from home and make the same paycheck. It's not going to happen. And they make it sound like, yeah, you just have to put in a few minutes and they're lying about that too. Nope. Nope. You have to put in hours and hours and hours and you're going to make peanuts. And another thing that I was thinking about writing down and then I forgot it, like we were saying, it just dropped out of my brain. Um, I do actually have, um, I wouldn't call them employees because I do not, um, according to the IRS, claim them as employees, but I do have people who work for me and like that I subcontract at work. And what I found when I started my business is that unfortunately, I don't have enough money in the budget to pay them minimum wage for them to come over and, you know, chat and let's put jewelry together and that sort of thing. I'm sorry. I don't have $10 an hour in my budget to do it, What I do do. And this is technically these women are not making minimum wage when they work for me is I give them a kit of here are all the jewelry items that need to be assembled. Here's an example of how it needs to be assembled. And here's all of the tools to put them together. And if you can put them together, I can give you $5 for putting these together and if but you know what you can go home and you can sit and watch netflix for an hour and a half and put them all together um but i i don't have the money to pay them minimum wage but i am able to pay them 
to work from home, but they know upfront how much it is that they're going to get. And that's, I feel like a difference that it's like, yeah, you know that you're not making minimum wage, but at the same time, you, you don't have to pay for childcare and it might be a situation that works for you. It's not a situation that works for everybody. And I would absolutely not go and try to recruit somebody who has a nine to five job and say, Hey, would you like to put some jewelry together for $5 a box? Like why they wouldn't do that, you know, but if it's somebody who is looking for, you know, a couple extra bucks, or they're looking for a way to make a little bit of income while they're watching their kids or watching their sister's kids or whatever, it is something that might work. And, um, yeah, I just feel like that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it would be unethical to ask people to come in and clock in and not be making $9 or not be making, I think it's nine twenty-five in, in Missouri. It would be unethical. Um, but so long as you're upfront about stuff to people there are people who are willing to work for what I'm going to call less than minimum wage and that is an income that is an important income to them yeah well look at um, five look at Fiverr you know exactly exactly and that's yeah I feel like we do live in a culture where gigs gig pay is where it's at sometimes for some people um but you shouldn't have to be paying to get a gig where you're not going to be making back your initial investment. Right. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Is a big I, difference. I'm going to stop recording and then we'll do our little chit chat. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Red, so much for sharing part of your day with me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Now, something that really stuck out to me personally as we were chatting is that Red mentioned several times that she's not anti-MLMer, and I get that. I'm not either. For me personally, and there's a hair driving me crazy, um, for me personally, it is the overall business structure and how it is like this endless recruitment and you become the basically the customer when you join all of that is what I find to be highly problematic I don't have a problem with the individuals who join because I know they're they're basically being deceived and they think that they're joining and going to be making some money even if it's just a side hustle and they're just going to make a little bit on the side or people who want to like create a business so to speak, that is going to generate a full-time income. But the fact is, is that it does depend on you always having to recruit people and then always having to consume the products. And when you just run the numbers on all of that, it becomes very evident that it's just not going to last. It's not going to work. And you know, the funny thing is, is that when I recall, it's like numbers are never discussed. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, when I was a beach body coach, the only numbers that were discussed really were that you just need to help three people each month. That's all you need to do. Just keep helping three people each month. Well, I mean, you got to find those people, right? And then they have to be willing to take action. And that's not as easy as they make it sound, but they make it sound like this is just the easiest thing to do. And as long as you believe, and you keep going, and you don't give up, that you're not going to fail, that somehow if you do fail, it's because you gave up. It's because you didn't try hard enough. Basically, it all goes back on you. It's never like anything to do with how the business is set up, because they, they don't want you to run those numbers. They don't want you to see the facts. And to be honest, even if I did see the facts, when I was like 
full on beach body hun mode, I would have denied them. I would have been like, oh, I'm, I'm, that's not going to fit me. I'm going to be part of that 1% who's going to you know, rise to the top because that's how much all of this gets into your head, all the mental manipulation that goes on. If we see things that we think are problematic in the world, it is really up to us to speak out. And remember, change starts now. 